Welcome to Onward, the show where we explore emerging social innovations and chat with social innovators. I'm your host, Daniel Weinsberg. For a long time, a lot of us have been feeling that there's something strange in the financial markets. For a while there, we were streaking. We just kept hitting higher highs. And regardless of what was going on on the ground, financial markets remained pretty healthy. Or that's what the financial services firms were continuing to say. But if you look around, the reality on the ground seems to show otherwise. Record homelessness ever-growing economic disparities, stagnant wages. As the masses strive to make a few more bucks per day by picking up side jobs, second jobs, side hustles, and throwing money at uncertain investments, the Federal Reserve Bank continues to print billions of dollars per year, or hundreds of billions of dollars a day in some cases. Thus, they're devaluing the dollar. And in the face of this, a new breed of entrepreneur is emerging with the aim of decentralizing financial services and creating a more transparent, autonomous, and valid economic system. Something that works for all of us, not just the few. This movement goes by the name of DeFi, or Decentralized Finance. To realize the vision of decentralizing central banks and their bevy of obfuscated services, a new relationship with monetary data is required. And this relationship with data finds its foundation in blockchains. And it is now time to begin taking this technology seriously. In the coming weeks, I'm taking a deep dive into the exciting world of DeFi. Again, decentralized finance as this will likely be the first space that blockchain technology begins to impact the masses and improve society at scale. Today, I sit down with the lead of Zero Collateral. Zero Collateral is a protocol for decentralized lending. Through this platform, which is built on the Ethereum blockchain, anyone has the opportunity to become a lender or a borrower. The model that Zero Collateral is forwarding has the potential to decrease the financial burden of loans, decrease the barriers of accessing a loan, and allows for anyone with capital to provide a safe loan and make some interest on their money along the way. Now, more than ever, the world needs to shift towards a more just, sane, and sustainable direction. And as the sage Wu-Tang Clan informs us, cash rules everything around me, so let's journey down the DeFi road and see how we can change who has the cash, who can access it, and how it can flow more equitably, transparently, and sustainably. So before we launch in, you're working on some pretty... uh bleeding edge stuff, but you need to get us up to speed. What is decentralized finance and why are you so passionate about this? Yes, let's get into it. So decentralized finance is a new movement where you can own your own money and have all the functionality of the traditional finance world in your pocket without a middleman. So if you want to lend today, you can lend today. 
If you wanna to borrow today, you can borrow today. It all happens through code. And because of that, the code replaces a function that humans serve today, which is take money, lend money out. So decentralized finance is really this movement to open access and level the playing field for everyone around the world to be able to access financial uh, services. And I mean, we talked a little before we jumped on the call. You seem like you got a lot of talents. Why are you dedicating your time and mind to this space right now? Yeah, so this, this space is a paradigm shift. I think if you look through history and different times where innovation occurred, we're witnessing the next phase of the internet. Um, blockchain really is the paradigm shift that removes that intermediary from the actual application. So you can start interfacing directly with the, end, the other side of the market and blockchain serves amazing for finance in this world. So finance is really that first application of an opaque system that has been around for centuries that really hasn't been iterated on for some time. FinTech has been evolving rapidly, but even with that, there's still these centralized pieces that are actually acting as the custodian, as a middleman, and as a person telling you, the end user, whether you can or can't get access to this functionality. What I'm so passionate about is that blockchain is about to level the playing field for all financial applications. And that's what DeFi really um, has brought to life. It's brought the tangible aspect of saying, hey, if you want to lend today, if you want to borrow, if you want to swap, if you want to trade, anything you want to do in the financial ecosystem, you can do it today with the other parties involved and without the actual middleman having to broker the deal. So I'm just passionate about this new paradigm shift where the end user is going to have complete access from anywhere around the world to these financial services that someone here who's more well off would have. It, it always seems so, uh, such a stark juxtaposition. You know, the largest buildings in every city around the world are banks. And it's like, how, how are they making so much damn money? But it's because they're middling every deal along the way. So it's really exciting to hear about the work you and your peers are beginning to do to flip the script on this. And what's, what's amazing is that even though banks take a small piece of every transaction, that small piece adds up to something really large. And that's why you see so many banks everywhere you go. Um, they're just making hand over fist. If you look at just the loan industry, which is what we're in, there's over $215 trillion in debt. That's money that is just circulating through the banks and the banks are taking the, the grunt of the profit from that. So what, what's really amazing is while you can't audit your bank, you have to trust them. It's sort of this black box model. In the decentralized finance space, you can audit everything. It's all open. It's every transaction is open to the public. It's open software in the same way that something like the internet runs on open software called HTTPS and SSL encryption. Anyone can go in and see the code that's backing it. And here you can actually see every single transaction that happens with the bank. So imagine seeing every single transaction that the bank ever did when they lent out money to someone else. You can do that today in the decentralized finance space. It's amazing. So how, how did you find yourself in the DeFi movement? Yeah, I, I think it started for me finding myself in the blockchain movement. I was just uh, enamored with this paradigm shift of technology that no longer relied on a central black box. If you look at just how tech was built today, we have these companies running on the cloud and that kind of makes them become these gatekeepers or these barriers to using the application. With blockchain, it makes that 
black box system completely open. So everyone can see into that black box or that now open box or transparent box, we like to say. Um, and, and with that, I think that started me really bridging into, hey, what are the immediate applications? And with blockchain, um, money has always been the most immediate application of opening up this black box. Money's opaque, it's centralized, it's run by specific like organizations. Um, and what we have the opportunity to do is separate money from state, from organization, from body. And money can truly become decentralized, meaning that it's globally accessible. It's not limited to censorship. So if you want to send money to someone, you can do it. Um, and, and I think that is really the opening that got me and I think a lot of other people in the DeFi space. Um, if we think of what DeFi means, it's, it's just decentralized finance. So money is the start of decentralizing finance. And the next step of that is lending. It's now we have money. How can we lend it to others so they can borrow it and start creating an actual debt market? Um, that's really happened stepwise in the crypto space, which has been exciting to see. And we're coming in to really drive that next wave. And so that's the perfect transition. You're working on a project called Zero Collateral. What exactly is Zero Collateral? So as the, the name mentions, um, Zero Collateral is a lending and borrowing market on the Ethereum blockchain that you can actually take out a borrow, you can borrow money with down to zero collateral. If you look at loans today in the traditional financial ecosystem, by default, they don't require collateral for personal loans. You can go to something like a lending club or Prosper and get a loan from just any company uh, or, or a bank without, a, without actually putting up any capital. In blockchain today, uh, it's kind of crazy that to actually borrow, you need to over collateralize. So today with the current applications, to borrow for say $100, you would need $150 worth of another asset. And that is pretty, that's limited in scope. The use cases are, are for trading, for speculation, and for people who are already in the crypto market so that they don't have to liquidate their actual tokens. What we wanted to go after is the next generation of actually borrowing and lending and the demand side for that. So the demand to borrow is far more personal than that actual narrative that blockchain holds today. The demand is, hey, I want to pay off bills. I want to make a small purchase. I want to refinance. And to really go after those use cases, we knew we needed the ability for an end user to come to our platform, connect some type of credit about them, whether that's FICO score if you're in the States, some type of credit scoring outside of the States, connecting data like, like Plaid, um, GitHub, uh, Upwork to see uh, your actual work history. And from that, we wanted to start creating some type of self-sovereign risk profile so that this user no longer has to live by the opaque re requirements by the people who make the FICO scores. You can actually have a more clear view of, hey, these are open source algorithms that can actually create some sort of risk profile on you. And thus, they can say, you're able to take out a loan with this amount of, of uh, interest that, that you'd be incurring, um, this max loan size, and potentially this amount of collateral. When we talk about collateral, we're more referring to actual collateral like a home or, or, or auto, places where you actually collateralize today in the traditional finance world. So we really want to give people another option where they can take out a loan from the internet without some centralized party. And today, the only options that the, the average consumer has is uh, a bank or a credit union or a web 
uh, a peer-to-peer -peer platform that's on the internet today, such as Lending Club or, or Prosper, as I mentioned earlier. And those are really just black box systems. So we wanted to open the box and we're making a platform that's transparent, globally accessible, it's censorship resistant. Um, all of these use cases are really prominent in the blockchain space and we're bringing that to the end, end consumer. So who would be that ideal end consumer at this point in time? So we're actually as strategically going through two phases. The first end user is going to be those already in the crypto space as they are the innovators who are really willing to, to test out the platform and make it happen. Our next phase after that, the ideal end consumer is someone who's already using fintech apps today. So if you, if you already use Robinhood, if you do already use some of those web, those standard um, internet loan payment loan platforms, that would be someone who we offer an immediate uh, advantage over. And it's almost crazy because if we even back out, um, about 60% of people who ask for a loan from the bank are rejected, and that's just in America. Um, about 80% of people in the States are in debt, so it kind of just goes to show that we are in a cycle of debt, and people are really pigeonholed to their bank, to their, their debtor, um, so <laughs> to, to their lender. So we really think that the DeFi community has the opportunity to go after them, but we're really starting with the people who already understand technology and are looking for new options so they don't have to go to a centralized institution to redeem a loan. So if, you're, if your project takes off, could you see uh, these payday loans and predatory lenders that we see in marginalized communities on the corner just going away because they've got, we've got access to services like zero collateral? So I think that's actually a more macro question. It's an awesome question the entire industry is going to change. I, I think it's not about necessarily companies going away. I think it's about them adapting. And every, every company in the FinTech space will have to adapt to the new regimen that users simply have easier access to capital. And in that, the actual the companies today, so I think starting with banks, banks will be one of the first that will have to evolve into this paradigm. What will happen is banks will no longer be the custodians of the funds. They will be helpers and advisors and, and people who are on the periphery to add value. So they could be custodians if you let them be custodians. And that could even be somewhere where you own half of the signature and they only own the other half of the signature. And maybe a, a third person like a, a relative has another half of the signature. So you're actually not relying on the bank. They're just acting as someone who is good at ma maintaining security. And likewise for the payday loan industry, um, we just think that is going to transpire into these different options that are on the internet and on the more, the, the more macro level, the playing field side. What's really interesting about the payday loan industry is that it does get a bad rep, but the further you look into the statistics on it, um, these, they're really optimizing for the ability to stay in business. So the, the rates that they are charging is because the default rates are, are, where they are, and these are people who are in the, the dire need. I think the issue with the payday loans is that it becomes a cycle. If people fall in this cyclical trap where they don't know how to really come out of it, and something that the DeFi space offers and that we're putting together um, is bridging this world of data with the economic models that are on Ethereum. So from our standpoint, the more data you provide to us, the more accurate we can create an assessment on you, the borrower, and the more trust we can have in you, the borrower, because we know more about what's going on, more about what you do and what you might be doing in lifetime. So for example, if payday loans are taken out simply to pay off 
some type of bill, well, we can plug that directly into some type of payment provider and have the entire loop be closed off in, in a way where once funds come in, it pays off the loan. Everyone who's the lender can see that transparently um, on the Ethereum side and also from the data side because we have the live feed of, hey, payment has been received. Here's the work that, that this contractor has been doing or the employee has been doing. And it really starts creating this more seamless loop where we do think coming, coming into a bigger picture want to help these people in having a more transparent fashion to, to attain loans and to have a process where they can get out of this debt cycle. So if zero collateral is successful, what's going to be the impact in the world? What's going to be different? So I think we're going to have a transparent and honest financial system that levels the playing field for everyone across the globe. What we want to do is create that next financial primitive that is going to evolve the actual financial economy. And what we mean by that is offering people access to capital in a more transparent, seamless, and efficient manner is going to be revolutionary in the same way that the internet offered people access to information. So I think it's kind of crazy to think about, but we will start treating money as data, as just pieces of information that gets transported. And I, we can even go as far as thinking that the value transfer of money is going to increase exponentially in, in, to many different, many different abstraction layers. The reason being, if you think of internet, if you think of information and how it was able to transfer pre the internet, it was slow. You had to read a book, you had to see someone in person, and we really only had webs of individuals with human to human contact to transfer the information um, or, or the t television, but that wasn't to the degree of information that we have today with the internet. What the internet did was say anyone can read anything at any point in time, anywhere, whenever. Um, what that does is the speed and transfer of information is uh, exponentially magnified. We're transferring data all the time. I think coronavirus is an incredible example of how that impacts the globe. Everyone has their eyes on what is going on with this information every day. What, what is going to happen is money will become that fluid. So you can imagine starting off with something like micropayments, where when your wallet is hooked up to a platform like potentially uh, Facebook or maybe like YouTube, I think YouTube's a better example, you're always streaming money. You, YouTube doesn't have a paid model today, so they show you ads. But Brave is working on this. If you replace the ads and you just have a wallet that has some amount of money, you're willing to spend, uh, I don't know, three bucks a month to not see ads, maybe it's $2. Some amount will average out to the amount of money that YouTube is making on these actual advertisements where people are streaming money and other people are receiving money in streams. And what we think with the lending market is that is going to happen as well. You're going to see a far more fluid lending market where people are borrowing very specific amounts to do, to do one-off things. And then they're borrowing larger amounts to have this more continuous flow where it's potentially it's like a mortgage to actually put down on a house. Well, here now with the mortgage, you can have the actual payments coming in in lifetime, but you can also set up all the data from the smart house that plugs back in. So you can be, the actual lenders can be monitoring what is going on with the home, what are like the different like grades of this, what should we be worried about? And what's really exciting is you can start creating these different financial services or markets on top of this base layer primitive of an open access to unsecured loans. Um, imagine with, with a mortgage piece, when you take out a mortgage on these loans, some of the specific loans become actual like tradable assets 
And now you can create a liquid market for loans that were going into specific mortgages that anyone can access. Anyone can be a part of these like different playing fields. So for us, the goal is to really level the playing field for anyone to be able to get a loan and really provide efficient access to capital in the market to be used as a primitive for not only the lending space, but also all these different markets that can be built on top of zero collateral. It's an amazing vision. And it, it's a conversation I've been in with different innovators in this space for a few years now. And so the, the question that keeps coming up for me is like, What's, what's supporting blockchain and specifically in this case, the DeFi movement in reaching mass adoption? Feels like we keep getting closer and closer to that tipping point, but what's, what's gonna help us pivot over that point? And so um, not to toot our own horn, but this is why we, we really huckled, uh, bunkered down and building zero collateral. It was to get over that adoption point. We felt that everything today was still difficult to pitch to the end consumer um, mm -hmm. because of the over collateral requirements. What an end consumer wants is a loan. And um, today they have the options as listed before, but they don't want to put up collateral as they don't today. In order for us to truly to get over this hump and get into the next phase of adoption, we need people to be able to get introduced into the market with simply a value add, with simply they wanted something from the internet and this was an easier way for them to achieve that. And we think loans are that market. It's, it's, um, Global, it's a global market. It's uh, a, really something that everyone runs into. And there is always demand. There's always need to, to take out a loan at any point in the economic cycle. So for us, it is unsecured lending. Um, that's really what, what I think and like one of the really core reasons we started working on Zero Collateral um, was to branch into that average consumer because we felt that's where the real market is. When we can take crypto out of this this circle that we're all in with people who get it and just to the average consumer, once they take out the loan, imagine they took out a loan from uh, zero collateral and it just appeared in their bank account. They had money to go spend and do what they wanted to. Well, when they pay it back, it might be a very seamless experience as well where they're paying back from their bank accounts. In the back end, all of this is being converted through in and out of crypto, in and out of the actual token assets. And with that, they are now introduced into the crypto market. So we solve two things. Not only are we able to branch out of the crypto market to get people interacting with what is the DeFi space, we're also able to pull them into the crypto market because now they can realize, wait, there is a digital dollar. There is something called a stable coin that they can hold that's digital that no one can deny from them and that can be pegged to the US dollar. So there's something that they can now go spend and not risk the volatility of, of something like Bitcoin. So I think there's, that's what we're going after. And I think that really is the next phase to bring that average consumer into the market. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant strategy. What's, what's in the way of it right now? What's hindering progress right now? Great question. Um, it, that's a hard question to answer because everyone is moving so fast at this. I think what's been the hardest is actually adoption. Reason being, a lot of the crypto industry, a lot of these ideas have been brought up before and we actually saw the same thing with Bitcoin. Bitcoin was not the first introduction of a payment system that was on, on the internet or like globally accessible or had like a distributed computation network. Um, it was one that solved a specific problem 
And that allowed people to come in and say, hey, maybe we could have money that's not owned by the bank. And as people started believing in it, um, it started becoming more real. And that's what is part of the attribution of the price increase of Bitcoin, is simply the belief that, hey, this is sound money, this could be a store of value. So I actually think it's not technology, it's market adoption. And if you were to ask me a year ago, what would be stopping it? We wouldn't have had the infrastructure rails in place for us to be able to say, hey, the next evolution is under collateralized or unsecured lending. About a year ago, um, uh, platform, platforms like MakerDAO and Compound were really just growing in, in, in user base. But over the past year, we just saw DeFi go from about uh, a couple million, maybe five to 10 million in assets under management, meaning money that's being lent out or being held on specific decentralized finance platforms. It's grown from that five to 10 million to over a billion. And that is just in the past 365 days. Um, so it's really shown that the market adoption is right. Um, that I think has been the biggest thing for crypto in general has been timing. A lot of the ideas are, are being repeated again. Those that are really coming to success and to fruition are those that are at the right time for people in the market to adopt it. Um, I followed a really interesting lecture from Stanford on how to go viral. And part of what they spoke of is you need something that bridges two communities. You need something that bridges a, a peripheral or obscure community. And that's what we see as kind of that the crypto side, the like tech side, the geeks, the anarchists, and the something else that in, in the same light can actually appeal to like the bigger pie, the more mainstream pie. With blockchain today, I mean, that used to be like the tech was distributed computing and the application was something that uh, appealed to bigger mass, which was money. So bridging that the peripheral world with the mainstream world, something beautiful came out of that, and that was Bitcoin. And that continues to happen in the blockchain space. We saw in uh, 2017, when the ICO boom happened, there was something magical where there's this technology you can mint tokens, what does that mean? And there's also this desire for startups to get funding and for the rest of the world to invest in something, um, whether we call that a utility coin or, or like an equity in a network. Um, the actual bridging of these two worlds had something beautiful. That's where we saw 20, that's 2017 hype cycle. DeFi is that next evolution of it. It's taking something that right now is in a place of um, more in the crypto community, people who get tokens, people who get the infrastructure, they get the risks they're taking, and something that appeals to the mainstream, that mainstream audience. And we feel that where this is the, that next phase that can really bring something magical to, to fruition. Um, so going back to the problem set, the problem set is timing for market adoption. And that market adoption is when that mass larger audience is ready for that application to come. And it's just always been coming in waves in, in the crypto space. So we're hoping this is the next, and that's where we're putting our money on. And do you think that uh, all that's going on with the coronavirus globally helps speed up that timeline? I mean, I've heard some crazy stories of banks no longer accepting cash because they're you know, cash is filthy and now filth and grime is deadly, so. <laughs> I, I love that narrative. <laughs> I've also heard that, that banks in Miami are not accepting physical cash. Surprising. Um, I think crypto is going to continue as it is. Um, this is one of those drivers, just like 08, that if we truly see a market uh, tumble, um, we 
theoretically are, are overdue as it's 12 years out from the most recent uh, market cycle. And it's typically around 10 year cycles for this. Um, as we saw with the Dow Jones uh, over the past couple of days with, the, with this plummet, the actual equity markets are reacting to this. What happened with crypto is nothing unusual. Crypto has gone down a lot and it's going to go up a lot. So crypto is going to continue having these waves. What I think it's going to do is broaden the user base that values crypto for its true organic values of decentralizing money from governments. Um, I think it's really interesting that the, uh, if you saw, I believe it was the New York Stock Exchange shut down trading, um, or, or was it the NASDAQ? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but we're able as centralized individuals to shut down a trading engine. Um, that's pretty amazing. And I think that goes to tell like, hey, your assets might not be safe. Um, the bank could say, hey, you can't take out money and we can run into a crisis like 08 again. This is going to be the next cycle of people seeing the true value of something like Bitcoin. And I think really seeing the value of something like the stable coins that are built on top of Ethereum. Um, it's really exciting because no longer we're going to need to have that 2017 narrative of this is all about price appreciation and speculation. This is about genuine value add in times where you don't want to trust those centralized custodians. And there's a reason that you would move away from them. So I think it's going to help blockchain and crypto from a narrative aspect and really bringing people into to the fold of why this is necessary. And I love how you said that. Get it back to the original value add, not the speculation that's been driving it for a while. It was crazy, man. 2017. Everyone was here for the price. Bitcoin was on, on CNBC, like day in, day out. <laughs> so, so getting back to uh, zero collateral, folks can access the service and begin participating and benefiting from it on uh, something called dApps dap.ps and also through the status wallet yes so what about dapps and status make them good distribution channels for your protocol so what's amazing about blockchain is no longer does one entity own the app marketplace if you have an app today it's on your your ios or android device and those those platforms accept or deny the applications that are submitted. So they are the gatekeepers. What's beautiful about the blockchain space is no longer are there gatekeepers. The actual applications themselves are the, the breadwinners. And what's built on top are very thin front-end applications who really can make a beautiful user experience for these applications and for the end user to say, hey, I want to go into this marketplace because it is the least number of clicks or it's the best experience or it's most oriented to my needs for what I'm trying to look for in terms of the decentralized app space. One of the amazing things about status is they built out this beautiful user experience for you to go and play with all the different applications in the blockchain space. It's really seamless. And if you access it from their wallets, you actually already have the ability to interact with any of the applications without signing up. You simply have money in your wallet, if you want to lend to zero collateral, all you simply do is within your status wall, say, hey, I approve that I can lend money into this smart contract, that's our protocol, and with another click you lend. That's it. It's a really seamless experience where you're not saying like, hey, here's my Gmail account, let me sign up for this. Um, and, and I think status is that, that decentralized app store is really giving uh, users the ability to have a straightforward, vetted, 
seamless approach to this. There are other app stores that are out there and other wallets that are integrating these different types of applications. What Status is doing really well is they're allowing users to vote with their money. So if you own the SNT token, you can actually vote on specific applications, similar to like Reddit, but you're putting your money where your mouth is. So you're not just doing this to, to drive up the excitement uh, around something. Um, and you can't really get bots to do it because there's real money involved. So I, I really love the, the approach that Status is taking and having the user be the organic generator of which apps that they think the public should see. It's a great approach. So uh, you got a lot of important work to do today, tomorrow, and for the months to come. So um, for those interested in learning more about your work, where should they go? So please come to the, the, our Twitter. That's where we're really posting everything. It's zero collateral. Um, the O is a zero, so zero collateral. If you just search zero collateral on Twitter, you'll likely find it. Um, also come to our medium. We're like, we're, We've been under the name of Fabrics since that's been our development site. But if you search Meet Zero Collateral um, uh, online, you'll see a lot of what we've been writing up about. Um, the other thing is just come to zerocollateral.com. That's just the name, the word Zero Collateral. Um, and, and please sign up for, for our newsletter so you can stay involved. Excellent. Ryan, so appreciate your time today. Any last words, suggestions, or call to action before we let you go? Yes, join, come, come join the DeFi space, people. It's super exciting. Change, change the world of finance with us. I recently read a statistic, and it's hard to know what's factual nowadays, but it rung true to me. It said 40% of Americans have less than $1,000 in the bank. And somehow, the U.S. is simultaneously one of the richest nations in the world. The DeFi movement is working to create financial fairness. We can achieve this without an election, without an insurrection, without a protracted policy battle. The path to a more just economy is being built as we speak, and I am so damn excited to share with you more stories, examples, and innovations from the front lines of the DeFi evolution. Zero Collateral is just one example that you can access by simply going to your app store, downloading the status wallet, and plugging and playing. As we go down the road of DeFi, I encourage you to test some of the tools that I highlight, share others with me that I'm not highlighting, that I don't know about, and give us all feedback, the, the innovators, the developers, the, the media folks who are trying to shine a spotlight on this. Give us feedback so we can build better systems highlight more impactful tools, and create a more sane, fair, and sustainable tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to the Onward podcast. It's your support, it's your feedback, it's your comments, it's your suggestions that are really driving this show forth. So if you've got any comments, feedback, questions, suggestions, connections, you name it, feel free to get at me at d-w-e-i-n-z-v-e-g at gmail.com you can also find me on twitter at daniel weinsweg spelled the same way if you're enjoying the show give it a like on whatever podcast platform you're listening to make a comment share it with somebody you think could be inspired turned on informed by the conversations we have here a little social engagement on this weird technology mainframe goes a long way before I go, I'd like to give a big shout out to my dear friend, Jay Lately. Jay Lately's music is the soundtrack to the Onward podcast. 
So if you dig the tunes that's behind the music, the the intros, the transitions, that's all Jay Lately. Check him out on Spotify. He's been doing this work, following his heart, inspiring folks with his poetry, his words, and his passion for over 10 years. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, onward and upward.